You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. As those of you who are regular listeners know, I have a lot of fun talking to executives from all over our industry about what they've done and what they plan to do around the confluence of human and digital advice. Today, we're going to talk with someone who I've followed for a long time and only recently had the opportunity to get to know a little bit. He did some great work at TD Ameritrade for more than a decade and now is doing important work at Orion. So this week, we're going to speak to Greg Menefee. For many years, Greg has worked and led teams at TD Ameritrade and now Orion. At Orion, Greg is Senior Vice President of Consulting and Implementation, where his team supports independent financial advisors in incorporating tech into their business, enhancing the practice management of their business and their clients' experience. So, Greg, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Nice to have you on the show. Appreciate it, Jack. Thank you for the opportunity. Greg, let's start with you providing some background and color of what you did at TD Ameritrade. Uh, once we take a look at that and any lessons learned, we'll talk about what you're doing at Orion. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, TD Ameritrade, wow, it was probably the 11 best years uh, to date of my career. Incredible organization run by incredible human beings. It was one of those situations where I, I joined the organization as a technology consultant and individual contributor. And I'd never really done that role before, but they gave me a shot. And then 11 months into that role, they decided they were going to double the size of the team, decided that uh, they wanted to put formal structure around that and, and a leadership position. And they took a chance on me. I ended up getting that job uh, after those 11 months. And I've seen TD Ameritrade, or I saw TD Ameritrade do this time and again, where they would give people a shot. And it's something that as a leader, I've referred to as the difference between you know hiring and selecting, right? You know, a lot of organizations, you know, a lot of managers, they hire people to do jobs, right? It's almost like, you know, they look at a resume like it's a, a baseball card. You know, how often do you get on base? How many home runs are you hitting, right? Sure, this person's sure. got the most experience. They've been in the league a few years. We're going to go with this particular candidate. But TV didn't do that. They looked at somebody's heart and they tried to figure out, you know, what is this person capable of and how hungry are they? And so they avoided what I've always called free agent hiring, right? Just that show me the best baseball card, the best stats, and, and we're going to put that person in that position. And so, you know, then, then they empowered me to do that as a leader. You know, it wasn't that much further down the road that they offered me the opportunity to expand my role and in doing so backfill my existing position as head of technology consulting. And there was a woman, Janelle Ward, she now leads tech consulting over Charles Schwab. I had hired Janelle to be a technology consultant and then promoted her to be a business consultant and promoted her on to, to lead the technology consulting team. She sat next to me when I started at TD and I can just tell this woman is incredible. She's proactive. She's collaborative. She's communicative. She's very appreciative. She's always asking, you know, Greg, are there any questions, anything I could be helping you with along the way? And I remember the interview, Jack, I asked her a question that was kind of a trick question and she did not get it. It did not go well. And I could tell she was a little bit flustered and I smiled and I basically told her in not so many words, you're going to get this job because I can tell you're going to be phenomenal at this role. And of course, that's why I ended up promoting her a couple more times and she's moved on to do great things. Same thing with Craig Centron. He's leading tech consulting or he's leading uh, consulting at, at Goldman Sachs now. And you know, Craig came into the organization as a tech consultant. He'd never done the role before. He excelled at that particular role. And so we decided, you know what, Janelle moved into the promoted into another job. I'm going to give this guy a shot. He was incredible at it. And all told, we think somewhere around 25 people ended up getting promoted during those 11 years out of my organization. They're all doing incredible things across this industry. 
probably a few of them already have bigger jobs than I do. And most of them probably will at some point in their career. And so, you know, from there, once you, you build that high performing team, you select the right people to come into the organization. It was a matter of trying to figure out, well, what's most important around here? And we had this new CEO come on board, Tim Hockey. And, and if Tim was in front of a, a you know camera, town hall, Slack message, annual you know shareholders meeting, whatever, in the first two minutes, he's hammering home the importance of client experience and how we are going to compete based upon that. So I had to take a step back and, and look at our distribution model, think about how do we do consulting here across technology, business and outsource investment consulting? And how do we do this in a way that elevates the client experience? And what I, I realized was the distribution model that we have, it just doesn't work for that. If we've got 7,500 clients. You know, I've got, I've got three business consultants, two outsource or OCIO, let's call them consultants, and 10 technology consultants trying to elevate the experience for 7,500 advisors. You cannot do that doing one-on-one -on -one consulting with advisory firms. And so we completely flipped the model and decided to go from, you know, focusing primarily on one-to-one -one consulting to focusing on the one-to-many, one-to-few, and one-to-right-few. And then, you know, my belief was, and I, I preach this to the team, if we take fun, entertaining, and enlightening content to the masses, that the advisors with the skill, will, and time will walk up at the end of your presentation, line up at the front of the stage and say, I want more of that. And it worked. And so the, the, the engagements where we did one-on-one -on -one engagements were born from our one-to-many or one-to-right few engagements. It wasn't, let's just go out and try to figure out who are our biggest or our largest clients and try to wedge consulting into their... Uh, into you know the relationship and so you know even on that front jack when i think about it and i look back i mean completely changing the distribution model i'm probably halfway into my leadership career at td you know um they let me do it right they empower you they, it was the type of organization george tamer was the gentleman that gave me my first shot and uh george was the type of guy that if you made a compelling case you'd say all right go for it let's see how it works sure, out sure, and uh sure. and i think that that entrepreneurial spirit that we had there was something that fueled a lot of people's careers because it led them to step outside of their comfort zone and, and focus on things that they might aspire to do. And then once they did that, well, it was a type of organization where they said, hey, we recognize that. We want you to do it now. That's great. And as we'll talk about in a moment, you're doing the same thing at Orion, right? That's right. You know, it's funny when I think about Orion and TD Ameritrade. They're extremely similar organizations from a cultural aspect. They're both led by you know, very intelligent people. Eric Clark is, is brilliant in my mind. They're led by people that, that practice strategic foresight and think really hard about, all right, what's most important and how are we going to construct a team that strategy, structure, comp plan, right? Get it all in alignment to support that. And when I came into Orion, they created the role. It did not exist before. And Randy Lambert, who was kind enough again to take a shot on creating a new role for somewhat unknown entity. Randy and I didn't know each other extremely well. But ever since I've gotten there, Randy's the type of guy that is just like, hey, you know, what are your thoughts? He wants to know. And then when you share them with him, if they make sense, he's on board with it. And he's sure. like, give it a shot. And so, yep. you know, when I joined the team, one of the things that I recognized was the relationship management team or strategic consulting team at Orion, they there was not a vision. There was not a mission in place. We didn't quite understand what client experience was and how it's different than just good customer service. So we didn't have a foundation for that house. So after that first 90 to 100 days, I hosted my first offsite, got everybody together in Omaha and said, listen, we're not going to talk about our products. We're not going to talk about our solutions. All we are going to talk about is we're going to do a half day here, focus on the five dysfunctions of a team to understand how does a truly competent 
culturally sound team function so that we can have some ground rules to work well together. And then from that, we got to figure out what's most important, what's our vision, our mission. So I introduced those things at that particular offsite. Our vision is to consistently elevate the industry standard. And the way I described that to the team was, listen, all of our clients have a whole bunch of different vendors. Our goal is that when they look at the relationship with you, you sit at number one and there's a gap between you and number two, three, four, and five. And the way that we're going to do that is by building a foundation of client experience and helping these firms get the most out of their investment in Orion. And so then our mission was born of helping every client to maximize their Orion experience. And so that's the passion. We're in the process of trying to figure out how can we efficiently, and we utilize ActiveFi on this front, how can we efficiently uncover what's important to our clients? What are their goals? Their goals you know, for the entire firm, their goals that might be in alignment with Orion and for the goals that are more firm specific, that maybe it's a little bit outside of our uh, core competencies. Is there a way that we can make connections within the industry to help them to achieve those things? And then on the ones that are Orion focused or technology and wealth management focused, you know, are we ensuring that they're getting the most out of their technology? And then are there other Orion solutions across the kind of the client journey of prospect, plan, invest, and achieve? Are there other Orion solutions that we could introduce to them that could create better or more efficiencies inside of their practice or their firm, the enterprise, and uh, in a way that will then allow them to spend more time investing in elevating the client experience. The foundation of it at Orion and the foundation of it for our clients has to be when you ask the question why enough, the answer is ultimately going to be, we are here to elevate the client experience. We're here to compete based upon that. If you would, maybe to go a little bit deeper and describe, if you would, Greg, your team, what are their roles? What do they do? Who do they interface with? Are they working with the advisors themselves, their team, their their tech op, you know, the folks that operate the tech at their place? How, how does that all work? All of the above. And so, you know, when, when getting back to kind of thinking, you know, we didn't have a, a vision, didn't have a mission. So that was kind of right out of the gate, the first thing that I tackled. And what we've landed on is the mission of the team is to help every client to maximize their Orion experience. And the way we think about that is, you know, we have all of these different products and solutions that our clients have invested in. We need to ensure that they're maximizing that return on their investment. And so that means they need to fully understand what it's capable of, what the integration capabilities are out there, and how we can help the organization more broadly you know, not just the our specific point of contact, but are the ways that we can bring thought leadership? Are there ways that we can bring more education around our products to the broader universe there at each one of these firms? And talk, if you would, a little bit, because you've got such an array of capabilities. I mean, you're really building out, in my estimation, the, the technology wherewithal of the future, and you have much of it now, but I'm sure there's going to be some more pieces and more coordinated, integrated pieces as you go on. So, how do you work with firms? Because that seems to be one of the big challenges. We don't lack for technology. We lack for how to implement, how to coordinate, how to really maximize as you characterize it. So how does your team go about doing that? How do they get in there and, and help folks? I mean, is there a process that they undertake or is, is it very situational depending on the firm they're working with? It is. So we utilize Actify technology, which you might be familiar with. And so from a consulting or coaching perspective, we utilize assessments in there to try to better understand what's most important to these organizations, not just at the highest level, but within the particular department that we might be interfacing with at that company. And so once we can uncover that through assessments or conversations, we capture all of that information. And we try to think about, 
all right, what are the goals? Some of these are going to be firm specific goals that are a little bit outside of the scope of Orion. Then others are going to be goals that we can help with either the current technology that they've invested in today or, you know, one of the many different solutions that, as we've all seen, Orion has acquired over the last several years. I mean, shoot, since I've been here, they've already added, I think, three organizations, you know, since January. And so when we think about our mission each and every day, the helping every client to maximize their Orion experience, it's really, can we help you to get the most out of the existing technology you have? that you've invested in, and what other solutions that Orion should we be having conversations about? We think about this throughout that kind of the advisor client journey. So, you know, I I remember from a CX perspective, I I, I talk a lot about, you need to think about the client's journey, universal prospect onboarding and ongoing. At Orion, we think about, all right, the advisor client journey is going to be prospect, plan, invest, and achieve. And so we want to look across all of that and figure out what is the experience that they're currently delivering today? And are there areas where Orion can step in and help them to elevate that experience? Because as you and I've talked about before, and what I'm most passionate about is client experience. I absolutely believe it's the right competitive strategy for this industry. And I believe more and more advisory firms are catching on to that. And I think it's going to be the big differentiator in the future. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about this because this is, to me, and as you well know, we're in the technology business. It's B2B, so we don't have as much direct advisor connection as others might have, certainly as as you do. And so one of the challenges, because we tend to connect a lot of dots, we connect all the different elements of a planning process of the whole data flow, proposal, ongoing management, rebalancing, all the different elements that one has in managing a household portfolio. So that's sort of the technical aspect. But I also know you do a fair amount on the practice management side, or the soft side, you might call it, sure. like customer experience side. So talk about how you balance the two between technology and the so that human experience. I, I got to believe just as I've gotten to know you, at the heart of what you're doing is you're trying to make both work, right? Absolutely. In that, you know, getting back to my first 90 days, you know, I was evaluating how do we at Orion, how does this team think about client experience? Because it's so different than just good customer service, right? It is a competitive strategy. And while Orion might be a product company, the market that we quote unquote sell into is competing based upon client experience. And so we have to become subject matter experts or specialists on that particular topic. So that's something that I've worked really hard with my team in helping them understand what is client experience all about? What is it not? And then where does Orion kind of fit into that? That's the message I've been, oh shoot, for the last six weeks in different cities taking on the road. Right out of the gate, I created a client experience presentation that started to get some tremendous traction. I've got another three or four engagements coming up and I've declined four because I can't be on the road for three months in a row. I've got two kids that I need to spend some time with. But sure. I love going out and, and telling the message. It's probably when I have the most fun at work because I believe in it. One, I think that it's the right competitive strategy for this industry, number one. Two, you know, a world-class client experience starts with a world-class associated experience. And I'm a huge fan of people having fun at work. Yeah. So, right, if you, you have to get that right, which means an organization has to focus and invest time in thinking about what is our associate experience going to look like that's going to support the way that our clients experience and feel our organization. And then how can we help them to see the connection between Orion and that? Well, if the advisor doesn't already believe that client experience is important, they're not going to make the connection. So it's kind of step one for a lot of them. And, you know, I do feel like the industry is getting better at this. 
but there's a long ways to go. When I deliver one of these presentations, as soon as I, the lavalier is handed over, I've got a line of five or six advisors wanting to talk more in depth about it or asking me to come speak at their office or their conference. And that tells me, one, they recognize that this is the right strategy. And two, they're hungry for learning more about it because it might not be today the way they're thinking in their organization, right? Client experience is one of these things where you can't casually do it. You have to draw a line in the sand and say, we are going to compete based upon client experience. Everybody in the organization needs to understand that. We need to have a vision and a mission and values that are in alignment with that. And everybody needs to know them. And you know, I think when you kind of get to the end of that, one of the things that I frequently will say on stage, and I've gotten to the point, Jack, where there's no script, right? I just get up there and just start talks. So I might deliver it five times and deliver five different presentations. But the one thing that I am trying to help these firms recognize is that this is going to require leadership. Just like there's a difference between client experience and great customer service, there's a difference between leadership and management. And if you decide you're going to compete, you need leaders in the organizations that are going to lead that way. And if you don't have a vision or you don't have a mission or you have these things, and if I walk up to somebody in your office and ask them what they are and they can't immediately tell me, well, then it doesn't really matter. This is why I get wound up about this topic, because I know it can help firms create a better environment inside of their organization. And I know it's going to help them to win business. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I work at a for-profit company, right? The more business that organizations win, right? The better we all do. And so I'm happy to share this message each and every day. That's great. That's great. I want to come back to this because I'm with you every step of the way, what you've described, but I want to back up for a little bit and talk about, so how did you get into this business? I think I know the story here a little bit, tiny bit, but I'd like to hear more. how do you get started and how do you evolve to where you are today? And that's what I'm going to come back to ask you some of the questions or address some of the uh, things you've raised around uh, customer experience because I couldn't agree with you more. It's We're in the customer experience business more than we are in the asset management business or tech stack building business or what, what have you. So talk a little bit about your background. How'd you wind up here? Mediocre grades. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I enjoyed college. I was an only child and I got to college and had a lot of fun. I didn't fail classes. I didn't get D's, but I wasn't up in the A's either. And, and I'll never forget, you know, I didn't have a job lined up when I got out of college. And most of the people that are listening to this probably won't remember this, but there were these things called classified ads. And uh, I, you know, I applied to a job through the classifieds to Fidelity Investments and to Dell Computer. And Dell wanted me to work on Sundays and I didn't want to do that. And Fidelity offered me the job. And so that's how I wound up in this industry. But how it kind of evolved from there, you know, once I got out of college, I realized, all right, you know, the partying's got to stay back there and it's time to get serious <laughs> about life. And so I was that guy that was the first one at the office, last one to leave. And in fact, you know, it was an hourly job. And so they didn't even pay me for that first hour or whenever I, I left, right? And you only got that little window of pay, but I didn't care. And it paid off. People recognized it. And so I got an opportunity to, I was asked to go to Boston to interview for a job up in Boston. I went up and never been to Boston before, flew up, interviewed for the job and uh, flew back. And they said, we'd like to offer you the job. Where were you living at the time? Dallas, Texas. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was in Dallas. And so probably having recently seen The Secret of My Success, Michael J. Fox, I figured I'll be running Fidelity Investments in no time. Right. Of course. I got up there and realized, wow, this company is loaded with really, really intelligent people. And I got a lot of learning to do. 
Uh-huh. So I applied those same principles, you know, just kind of roll up the sleeves and and worked really, really hard. And what area did you start in? Were you operations or technology or where did you start? I was in marketing, but I was in the marketing information group. And so CRM was a new thing back then. And Siebel uh-huh. was the application that sure. we were using. And so yeah. I was a, a business analyst on uh, Siebel, then a systems analyst, then a project manager. And, and then uh, I wound up spending my last five years in the single family office space, Fidelity Family Office Services. Interesting. Very interesting. And then uh, the switch to TD, tell me about that. Sure. Yeah. As I mentioned before, wife decides who I met on a flight to Boston. She was a Texan as well. She's like, I want to go home. And I said, okay. And I felt like I owed it to Fidelity. They'd been really good to me for those 13 years. So I I went to uh, my senior vice president, Andy Fay, and said, Andy, here's the deal. My wife wants to move back to Texas. I'm going to make it work. I'm not going to come surprise you one day and just resign. I just want to go ahead and put that on your radar. At the time, it couldn't work for me to, to transition to an office uh, down in Texas with Fidelity. And that's when I made that transition over to TD Ameritrade. That's great. That's great. Terrific. I want to come back to what we were talking about earlier. And, and also, if you'd include maybe sort of learnings along the way, it sounds like you learned a lot, not only from a technology or operational standpoint early on, but then how you go sort of up the value chain, we'll call it, to that customer experience. So talk a little bit more about that and what you're finding in the field. Because my experience with advisors, most of them, I don't hate to generalize, but it's fairly accurate. They like to manage money. They like to talk Mm -hmm. about the markets. They like to talk about making money. They like people and they like helping people. But they didn't sign up to become tech stack builders or uh, CTOs. And they didn't sign up to be customer service. They hired people that do customer service. And here you are talking about client experience, which isn't portfolio management, isn't tech stack per se, isn't customer service. It's really about, I think of client experience as all of that, but where the experience is that it's seamless and easy and I'm getting good advice and I feel comfortable and confident. But I think I probably botched that explanation, but I'm sure you can do it a bit better since that's what you do each and every day. Talk about that. How do you bring all that together? Because there's a lot to bring together. That's not simple stuff I just described. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I try to help people understand is client experience isn't an event. It's not a department. It's not a person in your organization. It's a strategy. So you're either going to compete based upon your product, your price, or your experience. That's mm-hmm. it. Most yep. companies don't pick one, right? They flounder around between them. These are the companies that we don't have memorable relationships with. They're the ones that we don't refer business to. They're the ones that just, if you need something, then you might stumble across them. The ones that each of us, you, myself, people listening, have really loyal relationships to, these companies are laser focused on one of these particular strategies. And yep. you know, yep. when, when I speak with advisory firms, I'm like, Listen, you're not a product company. You're not creating new products and selling products. You definitely don't want to be known as the discount advisor in town. That only leaves you with one choice. So you can either just not pay real close attention to it and be one of those firms that's not super memorable, or you get laser focused on it and say, this is how we are going to compete. Now, once you do that, now you got to think about how does this bleed across the organization? This kind of comes back to vision, mission, and values. These things are critically important to me. They were at TD and they are at Orion. Our team's vision is to consistently elevate the industry standard. And the way I described that to the team when I built it was, listen, all of our clients have relationships with all sorts of other vendors. And advisors' clients do too, right? And so they have all these relationships. 
our goal, our vision is that when they look at their relationship with their Ryan consultant or relationship manager, that it's at number one and there's a gap until you get to number two, number three, number four. Now, how are we going to do that? We're going to do that by building the framing of this house on a world-class client experience. We have to be thinking about this throughout everything that we do. So we're going to need a mission to support that. That mission is going to be helping every client to maximize their right experience. Why do we want them to do this? And this is something that I teach my teams a lot. I'm a broken record on it. You got to ask the question, why? And then you got to ask it again. You got to ask it again. Ultimately, the answer should lead to because we want to elevate the experience that's being delivered. And for us, we think about it in three different ways. There's three experiences that we're trying to, to elevate. We're trying to elevate the advisor's in-client experience. We're trying to elevate the advisor's associate experience or team member experience. And we're trying to help to elevate their experience with Orion. And that's the same thing that they should be thinking about when they're working with their clients. And so again, that means you got to take a step back and look at that client journey. All right. Through prospect planning, investing in and achieving, what does the experience look like today at our firm for our clients? And then investing time to figure out how can we elevate it? One, are we even meeting the expectations of our clients? And then two, all right, if we are, are there ways that we can create surprise and delight moments for our clients? And, you know, RAs are loaded with creative people. You got to take time to do it, right? You, you got to take a step back and go, this is important. We're going to talk about this. But like most of us, we get caught up in the day-to-day and just kind of managing one fire drill to another or one other opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you've got to take a step back. I just did this with two leaders of my organization. I asked them to come here to Bentonville, Arkansas. And I said, I need you to come to Arkansas. We're just going to spend two days. We're going to get, you guys each get an Airbnb. We'll pick the biggest one and we're going to set up shop there. And we're just going to talk. I don't want you thinking about agendas. I don't want you coming to thinking that there's going to be a lot of structure to this. I need a whiteboard, some markers, and we're just going to have a conversation. And it was probably the most productive two days since I've been at Orion, right? Because it wasn't just this structured, you know, one Zoom meeting to the next Zoom meeting. But anyways, we were focused on, all right, what is the experience that our clients have today in working with us? And we got to figure out what are different ways that we can start to elevate that experience. And for us, we're going to start to get a little bit more strategic about how we, we bring information, thought leadership opportunities to our clients. Today, what I walked into... There's technically no strategic planning, right? We don't look at 2023 and go, all right, what is that going to look like for my territory? And these relationship managers, they each have territories that they support. What I'm trying to coach them is towards is this thing that I call CX segmentation. So, you know, when I think about traditional segmentation, the way I joke about it on stage and with clients is it's selfish. And, you know, it's necessary, but it's selfish. If you think about it, most all of us are segmenting based upon what you do for me, right? The revenue that you produce, referenceability, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we, I, I believe that organizations need to do that. But I think we have to overlay that with how do we believe those clients view their relationship with me? And how do we believe that they view their relationship with Orion? And so the way I kind of break it down is you're either viewed as a product provider, a technical expert, or a trusted advisor. And if you're new to the relationship, you automatically are a product provider. You've got to figure out how are you going to build up that relationship? Well, in order to do that, we need to figure out what's important to people. You know, I think a lot of organizations just go around guessing what's important to their clients, right? (laughs) And so we have to ask them, right? You know, what is important to you? And I've even gone as far to coach the team to say, this idea of you elevating a client that you think views you as a technical expert to a trusted advisor, tell them. Like, just explain to them, my mission here is to help every client maximize their writing experience. I want to help you to maximize your experience. 
My goal for this relationship, because I feel like I'm in this product provider category, is to advance you to a trusted advisor. What I think a trusted advisor relationship looks like before you make a next tech investment, you know, in your organization, you're calling and we're having a conversation about that. And I think in order to do that, you have to figure out, right, what's important to the client, not just with regards to their day-to-day things that they're responsible for, but what are their passions, right? I love mountain biking now, right? You know, Bentonville, Arkansas, you want to talk about, you know, mountain biking with me or Bentonville, I'll chew your ear off for three or four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ironically, if you want, we can come back to that. That's because of the client experience they're building around here. But anyways, you find out what that is that they're passionate about, and then just find opportunities to enlighten them on it or share things. You know, you said it earlier, it's relationship business, right? It's not about us trying to get Orion, you know, risk intelligence into your office, Orion compliance. Would we love for advisors to purchase it? Absolutely. But it's more about, hey, let's try to understand what's the experience you're trying to deliver. I want to build a strong relationship so you'll trust me so we can do that. And then if we have solutions here that can help you to strengthen that, let's just talk about it. Let's perform some due diligence on it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. One final question before we start to move toward the uh, the finish line here. And you, you started to touch on, I have a hunch where you're going to go with this, but where do you see this industry, Orion, what you're doing at Orion? Where do you see it going over the next few years? Our business is changing fast. You seem to be leading it in terms of the whole concept around client experience. But uh, tell us more. Where do you see things going? It's going to get more competitive. Yeah. That's my hunch. If you think about, you mentioned something earlier around a lot of advisors who got into the business, not because they wanted to be leaders, not because they want to run a company. They just have to be really good at what they do. And fortune has followed. I think that if you look at the firms that are growing the quickest right now, they've got leadership in place that that's their job is to lead an organization. It's not to lead an organization and also carry a book of 15, 25 clients that you're supporting. You've got people that are, you're being hiring into these roles that are very specifically trained or educated on, you know, a chief operating officer. You've got somebody that the principal is taking a step back and saying, I'm going to run this organization. I can't do everything. You know, when I think about the most recent restructuring at Orion, you know, you've got Eric has been, you know, I wouldn't say elevated the CEO position, right? He always was the CEO, but he's put these positions in where you've got Ryan Beach as the president of wealth management, Brian McLaughlin running technology. And then you have uh, Kurt Brown that's running OCIO business. That allows Eric to take a step back and more broadly look at Orion and figure out how can we build the best company, the best solutions, integrated solutions, right? For our clients. It's the same thing at these firms that, you know, I think leaders have to take a step back and realize this is going to be a more competitive industry. What is the right competitive strategy? It is client experience. How are we going to look to excel on that front? And, and if there is, you know, if just practicing productive paranoia, you know, a new entrant into this space, because this has been a, a pretty, you know, I don't want to use the word lucrative. It's been a very successful run for RAs for the last several years. Sure, People sure. have taken notice. Private equity has taken notice, right? Who's to say Google hasn't taken notice? And if you think about, you know, the taxi cab business, right? How did it completely get turned upside down? Client experience and through technology, right? Verbo, you know, Airbnbs, you know, this this thing called the internet, right? And apps and whatnot have just created the opportunity to take something as simple as client experience and wedge it into an industry that's never had it there before and then compete with all the existing entrants and compete, you know, fiercely with them. 
Yep. And so I believe that the next client you win or you lose is going to be based upon how they perceive the experience is going to be with your organization. That's terrific. So Greg, I could keep going. I have a million thoughts that we're going to talk about afterwards. So we'll get to them, but <laughs> our time grows uh, short here. So as we look to wrap up, what are three key takeaways from our discussion today that you'd like to share with our audience? I'd love to hear them. Yeah, sure. I thought about this. This was the one question, right, that I had in advance and would pay a little attention to it. I just mentioned it a second ago, productive paranoia. I think that this is something that's extremely valuable and it's not done enough in organizations where you take a little bit of time to think about where is that next threat coming from? And, you know, when you do that, you can't help but start to practice, you know, strategic foresight and start looking out into the future. Not what's the next two years look like for our firm, just from a planning perspective and a budgeting perspective and a growth perspective, like, you know, really looking around the corner and thinking about where's the next competitor coming from? What is the next threat going to be? Where do we maybe need to shore something up? Or what are some of our strengths that we really need to lean into? And so I think practicing productive paranoia at the leadership level in RAs is something that is worth investing in. I think that drawing a line in the sand when it comes to how you're going to compete you know, this is the thing that I try to almost yell at advisors from the conference stage is, I know you're going to love this, this presentation, but don't just love it. You have to decide, right? We are going to do this. Like get competitive, be competitive, find that competitive spirit that I'm sure everybody has and decide it's going to be on the experience. And if you're at a type of conference where you're there with other advisory firms, look around and decide, I'm going to beat all of you based upon the experience that we are going to deliver. I think that the companies have really, or RAs have really got to get serious about client experience and what that looks like across their organization. And then, you know, to couple that, you know, if you don't have a vision, a mission and values that people don't know in your organization, you're not leading, you're managing. You need to have this and it needs to be in alignment with client experience and everybody needs to know it. And I will share where I messed up on that front. The, the first time I did this, I don't know, nine, 10 years ago, you know, had an offsite. We built our vision. We built our mission. And for the missions part, I put it in my signature line. Every single time I saw it being demonstrated on team calls, I would reference it, you know, line for line. I just was regurgitating it for six months. And then one day in the hallway, I asked somebody, what's our mission? And they didn't know. And so I decided to test everybody on my teams. And I took them all out to lunch in pairs. And once we'd already ordered, I looked across the table and said, what's our company's vision? And what is our mission on the team? I got, you know, 16 deer in a headlights. And I realized that's not their fault. That's my fault. You know, as a leader that I have to ensure that they understand how important this is. And if you don't have it memorized, well, then how can you be expected to live up to it? You're not going to, right? You're just kind of hoping to get lucky at that point. So anyways, you know, we had another offsite and shared with them, this is critically important, right? We need to all understand what it is. And so that was the first thing that I was doing here at Orion. And I think that it really takes anything away from this one client experience, of course, they're going to get that from it. But if you're a leader on this call, even if it's not you're leading your organization, right? You have team, you have people that report into you. Think about what is our mission? What are we here to do for our clients? And then put that into some words and help everybody understand it. Because when your company, when people realize how their job is in alignment with their team or their organization's mission, how that is in alignment with the vision and how that is in alignment with what the board and the CEO have said is most important, they are more fulfilled at work and they will produce better results. There's no doubt about it. 
That's great. That's great. Well, Greg, at high expectations, you've exceeded them. This has been a real pleasure. Really have enjoyed our conversation. And as we do each week on our podcast, my favorite question we ask our guests is off topic from what we've talked about. I have a hunch where this is going in terms of your answer. What is something you do outside of work that you're excited or passionate about and people might find interesting or surprising? I am a unofficial member of the Bentonville Chamber of Commerce, I think. <laughs> I joke with people now. I'm like, I, you know, when I was deciding on what was next for Greg and the family, I was, you know, Orion or should I go to work for, for the town of Bentonville? So we relocated <laughs> here, you know, a little over a year ago after stumbling into this town. I saw a Facebook post, a Facebook post that said, just got back from Bentonville. It's a mountain biking mecca. And so we took a trip here that June, came back July September, October, the full week of Thanksgiving, decided to buy a, what, what we thought would be a, a rental home, VRBO. And then we just never left. We've never ruined it one day ever. <laughs> yeah, I have, I've, I've fallen in love with this town. Our family has fallen in love with being on bikes and outdoors. I've got acres and acres and acres of trees behind this home. And we try to spend as much time as we can out in those woods, preferably on a bike. That's great. That's great. I love that. You had shared that with me before, and I had a hunch you might be bringing that back up again. I'm so glad you did. So, Greg, thanks so much. This has been a great conversation for our audience. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Greg, once again, a real pleasure. Can't wait for the next time we have a chance to chat. So, thanks so much. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.